0: Welcome back to Driving Theology, this is Mike, and uh, what day is today? I think it's February 22nd, 2017, 22217, if you can hear my car, it's revving really high, i drive an old, it's a little bit old anyway, it's acting really old today. Uh, anyway, it's uh, <laughs> it's still cold. The transmission sometimes doesn't like to uh, do what it's supposed to until it warms up. So right now, I'm stuck in high gear. Uh, sorry, low gear. Stuck in low gear. Actually, it's kind of a medium gear. So I'm gonna turn off my car and see if I can reset it. But unfortunately, it's gonna reset the recording, so there'll be a blip. Sorry. or Kim Jong Nam has been assassinated apparently in Malaysia. Uh, For those of you who don't know, this is Kim Jong Il's uh, oldest son. Kim Jong Il passed away uh, maybe five years ago and Kim Jong Nam's younger brother has been leading the Republic of North Korea. Sorry, is a republic. I don't think they call it a republic. What do they call? I think they call themselves a republic. Uh, anyway, maybe not. Anyway, uh, North Korea, uh, which we all know is a. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, autocratic uh, totalitarian state. Anyway, he has uh, been exiled from his country since 2003, uh, pretty much the whole time and has been on the run has been caught using fake passports trying to go here and there. Uh, he was on the run, first of all, from his father uh, and now from his younger brother. And there's been talk of assassination attempts and things of this nature. Anyway, it seems that North Korea and Kim Jong-un has finally caught up to his older brother and he was, uh, Poisoned in an airport in Malaysia, uh, and has died from that poisoning. Uh, So that's kind of a big, you know, big news today. Um, You don't really hear a lot of things like this. It sort of reminds you of, you know, the Old Testament or uh, you know even medieval times, where to protect one's throne king might, uh, or queen for that matter, might engage in assassinating the rivals. And that seems to have happened uh, this week. Uh, which shows that when, when, when people have power, the nature of having that power usually forces them not to want to relinquish it. Uh, and even if there's a, a hint that they may lose that power at some point, uh, there are people who will, who will do the ultimate deed to rid themselves of a rival. Um, even when they're your own family, your own flesh and blood. Uh, which is really, really sad to uh, think about. Um, and just you know sad to 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 see how far and how bad things must have gotten in a country where that would be considered normal. Um, so yeah, that's something that's happened this week. Uh, that's big in the news. It's huge in Japan. Japan kind of has a fixation phobia of North Korea anyway, and so any news from North Korea becomes huge news here. Uh, And really that's about the only thing that's been covered in Japanese news this week really, except a few local stories, but man, they've been fixated on this story. Uh, It's really caught and captured the imagination. Of the uh, media, and therefore of the people, um, Japan is still very much a country of television watchers. Um, it's still, something that they, you know, that's probably still the main source of news, uh, the main trusted source of news. I would say for most people, and then after that's the newspaper. Uh, but yeah, they're they're quite. Fixated by this story. Um, of course, Trump's still in the news, but Trump has been trumped by Kim Jong Un this week. Maybe that's why he uh, he took such a. I'm assuming he did take the, he did he was behind the assassination. Maybe that's why he did it just to get back in the news. talk, and it's sort of like Madonna, uh, who used to do anything uh, to get publicity. She was famous, I think, for saying there is no bad publicity, and maybe that was from somebody else. I'm not sure, but uh, at any rate, I can certainly attribute it to her. Uh, It's certainly how she lived and felt. Um yeah. Uh Other news in our home, we're gonna be hosting a uh exchange student for three months. Um she's already been here for a number of mo- number of months, uh in exchange with the Rotary Club and I think the, the Rotary Club had a uh second home stay family for her, but they backed out for whatever reason, and so they've been desperate to, to find a replacement, and that's where we come in. We're not members of the Rotary Club. We have friends who are, uh, and that's how we called, and I was kind of surprised that my wife agreed to, uh, yeah, to host. So we're gonna be hosting a girl from Thailand. We have lots of friends in Thailand. Uh, it's one of our favorite places to visit in Asia. Some of our favorite people live over there. And yeah, so that's gonna be something new in our family to go with our new puppy. Uh, Jack, who's doing pretty well. Getting big, wow, he's getting big. He's <laughs> gonna be a giant here pretty soon. Um. I am on a, a, a semi vacation time from my college classes since we're in uh, winter break. So I've got about, I guess winter slash spring break. So I've got about uh, two months with a little more, a little extra time up, uh, on my hands, which is nice, free time. Reminds me of the old stick song, too much time on my hands. Uh, But I don't have too much, just a little bit. Um, But yeah, right now we're kind of in a holding pattern to figure out uh, what we're gonna be doing this next year from April. April's always the start of the Japanese year, so we're we're almost into March. We're less than a week from uh, breaking into March, and then it'll be a month that time before we in April, which is the beginning of the fiscal year in Japan, the school year, the fiscal year. A gathering last week up in uh, a city about an hour north of us, uh, which is um, a place I go to a couple times a year. I've done a few concerts there, actually just one concert there this last year. Uh, But I go there often, and uh, there's a there's a favorite congregation and and pastor there that I like to visit. He's a good friend. Our daughters used to be roommates at at a Christian school. And um, yeah, so we uh, went up there. uh, Actually, I went by myself this time to visit a 24-7 gathering. 24-7 is a a group kind of in the new monastic uh, fresh expressions uh, thing originally started by uh, Pete Gregg, I think, out of uh, Great Britain, but it it has spread to America, and they're a really neat group. We've had them and hosted them a couple times here in our town, and and, uh, so when they have a gathering close when they're in the country, I usually try to go see them and visit them. Uh, In particular, they have a couple guys who are for lack of a better word, what I would call kind of apostles in a sense. Uh, they, they go around traveling, teaching, planting churches. They, uh, they're older gentlemen in their, uh, late fifties and sixties. And I know it's not real popular to use the term apostle today because there's a, there's kind of a, uh, kind of like, like to let the twelve original apostles own that uh, term and nobody else believing that the apostolic age has passed and therefore there are no more apostles. Uh, but there is a movement, and I'm not talking about movements that call themselves apostolic, but there there's a quieter movement that recognizes that even in the New Testament, uh, was given to other people who were not the original twelve. Um, because really, apostle uh, is, is a pretty simple term. It's just a, it's, it's a recognition of the work that one does, uh, at least if you want to use lowercase a, uh, lowercase apostle apostle in general. Uh, I think we could say that apostles were the church planters of their day. Um, You can even say the missionaries. and uh, There are many kinds of missionaries, but I would say the pioneering missionaries I think you could call uh, types of apostles. Um, Especially the ones who, who plant and move, you know, kind of get things going and, and appoint leaders and then move on and come back from time to time. But anyway, there are there are people out there who are looking at, especially the way that Paul um, did his apostleship. People are kind of uh, taking on a Paul-like uh, model. And so you'll, you'll, you'll not hear them call themselves apostles at least I haven't. Uh, but the work they do is very closely aligned with the apostolic work of Paul and perhaps even Peter Thomas, um, those guys who went out and planted churches. Uh, anyway, so I went up to a gathering that was uh, actually Thursday. I think it started probably around Thursday afternoon and went. All day Friday, all day Saturday, and then uh, that was pretty much the end. And then I think people worshiped together on Sunday morning and dispersed dispersed. Uh, but I only went on Saturday. I had I had things that and people I needed to see and things that needed to get done. So I was only able to go on Saturday. But it was a wonderful day. Uh, mostly uh, getting in touch with uh, people. Um, Just uh, being encouraged and prayed over uh, and blessed by them. There was some. That's always great to see people. It's almost like your relatives are back in town. You know, people that have had an impact on you in the past or or have taken an interest in you. um, Who come back around from time to time. It's great to to get in touch with them. Um, So yeah, we uh, we did that and. Actually been a little bit of distance between me and them, I think recently because they're doing a specific method of discipleship. and, and I haven't really uh, been inspired to follow the, the, the same methods that they're doing um, in our group. Uh, part of it goes back to uh, part of it's my personality type. I'm more of a big picture type person and a little less involved um, or, or capable in the nuts and bolts and details of certain things. Um, and so even though I could start something like this, I don't really trust myself to keep it going. So unless there's somebody else in our group who is dedicated to that side of things and, and who will will help with, with the nuts and bolts and details, then and I don't feel like I have a mandate to go forward with that. Um, and you know, that being said, I, even if I felt like I could do it all by myself, I wouldn't do it. I don't. I don't think the Lord really speaks to us that way uh, either. Uh, he doesn't really ask us to be cowboys and impose our will on those around us, but instead I think he, he, he will speak to us as a group and lead us as a group um, to places. And so I, I, I try to stay away from imposing my ideas or, or my plans or uh, anything like that onto the, the group of people that I worship with or meet with. Because I've been there and I've done that. And it, it never worked out good. Uh, that for, tried to do that for the better part of 18 years and and it really never went anywhere and I realized that, you know, that was just a human striving that I had to, to make things happen uh, and an arrogance that I thought my ideas were the best and the greatest and, and that I knew better than other people and therefore if, if they didn't uh, agree with me or do what I said, then they were just wrong and. Anyway, so I've been through that and and come out the other end, uh, realizing that, you know, hey, uh, there's no hurry to convince people things don't have to happen on my time. My plans don't have to come to fruition. Uh, The only time that my plans are worth pursuing is when they were first God's plans and if they are also God's plans I feel like he's gonna bring co-workers and partners and so today I kind of try to shy away from coming up with bright ideas and instead you know follow follow what God is leading me to do that I also see in other people and that way I have a confirmation especially other believers Uh, And that way I have a confirmation that it's not just me, that other people see the need to, and that the Holy Spirit is is synchronizing us uh, to to do something, and and therefore we have somewhat more of a mandate. And, yeah. Anyway, that's kind of how I like to pursue things these days. Sorry, there's not really a lot of substance today. I, I started the recording and you know kind of hoped I was going to get to to someplace, but uh, kind of meandering, and I think I'm going to meander over to a uh, a uh, message I got yesterday from from our good friend Pat, uh, who sent me a, a rather lengthy article by a guy who is writing on uh, theology and, and and his his. Uh, his conclusions on having studied the Bible and, and, and read multiple sources and, and, uh, anyway, he came to the conclusion that God did not need sacrifice and does not need sacrifice to forgive sins. That God has and always will, always has and always will forgive sins. Uh, because that's what he does. That's, how he, that's who he is. He is a forgiver. Uh, and that the sins that people were warned about in the Old Testament, for example, and other places, were really, uh, was really God warning us about the consequences, the natural consequences of our sin. And so he had come to this conclusion which I don't disagree with, actually. I'm kind of on board with his conclusion. I I agree that God doesn't need sacrifice. That blood doesn't have to be shed for God to forgive. think God would have always forgiven uh, had people's hearts uh, been turned from the resulting consequences of their own actions. The truth is, people aren't always true people just like children often often seem to, like they've repented when actually they're just avoiding punishment uh, or they're resenting in their heart having to obey this or that um, that's something that happens as well so uh, yeah let's talk about that so the one of the One of the prevailing uh, opinions is that God, in order to forgive sin, must have blood. He must. That, That unless God has blood, He cannot and will not forgive sin. Okay? Think about that. Uh, it's sort of like when your when your friend you know eats your 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 cookie when you're a kid and you get mad and your mom says oh just forget about it so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna forget about it until he says sorry or until he gives me his cookie I'm not gonna I'm not gonna forgive him uh, which is kind of human nature right it's kind of tick for tack it's it's the it's the uh, Eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth type of uh, retributive uh, induced forgiveness. That as long as I'm, uh, as long as I have retribution, then I, I can forgive or remuneration or, or uh, you know whatever it is. Uh, but until then, forgiveness uh, will not. Uh, you know I I cannot forgive. Uh, whereas this guy's idea is that well no actually Jesus forgives just just when people repent he never needed blood blood was not something he needed he he forgives when people repent and so the question is um, sorry I'm kind of stuck in traffic a little bit annoyed at what's going on here. I can't figure out why I'm stuck here. Uh, And instead of, you know, forgiving being the character character of God. um, Now, I, I, again, I don't disagree with them. I, I think, you know, saying that God is, is blood hungry and that the only way he can be appeased is to have blood is putting him in the realm of pagan God, right? Pagan gods needed needed blood uh, or were said to have needed blood to be appeased. And unless they had blood, they would not, uh, the crops would not grow or the hunt uh, would not be profitable or, or whatever. the the people would not have uh, healthy babies. Um, And so they believed that blood was also necessary, and so they went as far as to to go to human sacrifice. Well, of course, that that kind of God is exactly the kind of God that the prophets warned Israel not to follow, right? To not follow the blood-thirsty gods their God, Yahweh, was different. And yet we have this, this sacrificial system uh, uh, found in uh, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, right? This sacrificial system. Uh, and so, even today, it's kind of come down that, well, God doesn't forgive sins in this unless blood is shed. And actually, I've, I've believed that at one point or another. You know, that's been something that I've even said and taught And then it comes down to, well, that system was fulfilled, and once and for all, when finally, God got the, the, the blood he really wanted, which was the blood of his own son, which makes God look like even more of a jerk, you know? Why would he ask his own son to die? What kind of God is that? And so, uh, all of this bloodthirstiness makes Yahweh God look like the pagan gods around the world. And this is a problem, isn't it? So this has been, you know, explained away and justified and, and, and you know, sanctified and, and uh, explained away all down through the years. But very few people, and I think this is a fairly new thing, although there are some. Ambrose uh, apparently is one. Uh, ancient father who kind of got it. But that's not what's happening with Yahweh God. The blood sacrifices. We, we need a fresh look at that. Um, and by fresh, we need to understand what it always really was. Not not come up with a new explanation that, that, that suits the times. Um, and so this guy's explanation is, well, no. God forgives because God is a forgiving God. That's what he does. He's love. He, He's not a wrathful God. He's not an angry God. And I, I agree with everything he said, all, all of his conclusions. The problem is the road he took to come up to these conclusions was very, very difficult to follow and unorthodox uh, and just odd sometimes. Uh, and so I really want to reread His conclusion, uh, his his uh, this this article, it's it's really not very well written. Even the punctuation's off. Um, There's just a lot of weirdness to it, the way he chose to write it. So I'm gonna reread it and see. But I, I will support his conclusion. God's not bloodthirsty; just the opposite and that whatever sacrifice happened, whether it's Jesus uh, or, or, or animals, that that was in some way an appeal to people to see that their sin had dire consequences, it has dire consequences. Not that God needs them to forgive but that people need to understand that sin has consequences, natural consequences. Um, so that's that's the direction I now look at it. And, you know, one day I, I'm pretty sure that I will add nuance to that as well, that there will be another way that I look at it at some point. Transmission is not doing well. It's not doing well at all. I wonder if it's because I parked on a slope and all the transmission fluid. you start teaching on the meaning and the implications of sacrifices in the Bible uh, and the sacrifice of Jesus uh, that you really get a get a handle on on the implications of what you're teaching and hopefully come to a better understanding which you know we we all will benefit from from a better understanding of just what happened with Jesus on the cross, and how that sheds light on uh, everything else as well. My car is stuck in low gear. off so if I don't click back on you guys have a great day. Bye.